right on. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 65 for Monday, November 28th, 2011. I am Bill Wadman. And I am Dan Gottesman. And today we're going to be talking about buying and selling, which is yep. something near and dear to Dan's heart. Sure. It is. It, this is my idea. You, you, you buy and sell stuff constantly. You're like addicted to it. I wouldn't say that. How, how, um, okay, what is your rating on the eBay? Oh, eBay? I don't know. It's, uh, it's, well, my rating is 100%, if that's what you mean. My feedback score. Oh, pe- really? 100%? I think so. Last You're hardcore. I, it's not hard to get 100%. Hmm. Most people have 100%. Um, you, you start to see the weird dips in, in that in, when you have, like, thousands of feedback ratings. Yeah, and then, like, three people said that you didn't quite... You didn't send it within the hour, so therefore... Yeah, or, or like, you know, you, you know, whatever. Or the, sure. the description didn't match the thing or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I guess I have 279 uh, things, you know, you know, on eBay when you, there's a little number next to your name. That's a lot. I have 19. Let's just put it that way. Well, but bear in mind, that number reflects the number of um, feedback ratings you've received, which include buying and selling. Sure. So every time you either buy something or sell something, you get one. Okay. But even if you're buying, you're playing this game more than I am. Probably. Yeah. Well, I, let's also just to get, just to put things into perspective here. First of all, I've been an eBay member since 1999. Yeah. Uh, so it's over 10 years now, which is kind of crazy. And you sold a huge cache of stuff, toys. I, I, yeah. yeah, I went. I went through a very aggressive selling phase in December and January of 2009 and 10, uh, where where in that two month period, I probably had over 100 and close to 175 auctions. Um, I you know just indiv- you know some of them were just like little onesie twosie things, but some of them were big. You know, there's a, it got rid of a lot of. I mean, I probably pulled in close to six thousand dollars. Um. It's a lot know. of money. Yeah, well, all things considered, it wasn't bad. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of running around to do, a lot of post office trips, um, a lot of pictures taken, a lot of descriptions made. <laughs> all right, well, let's back up for a second. If, sure. if you're thinking about buying something, yeah, I think the difference between you and I is I tend, I would think new before used. You would think used before new. It de- well, it depends on the thing. It really depends. I mean, I let's put it this way: I am not averse to considering used um it really depends on on the the the, the item in question okay so what, what would what would make you buy new over used well um first off if something is new um so like let's say it's the latest model of something like there's a new like let's say the new nikon you know d4 or whatever that you know the next gen camera sure. would come out i would consider getting that new um or, or or a computer, you know, a MacBook Pro. Like sure. if, when the new computers would come out, I would probably get the newest one available. Stuff that you um, really can't buy used anyway, and even if you could, it would probably be out of date. Right. Things that are a little bit more time sensitive. Now, that all said, I'm not opposed to uh, getting refurbs, you know, yeah. getting a refurbished model for, at a slight discount. Um, as long as it's from the manufacturer. Well, yeah. I mean, Apple stuff that's refurbed is, is pretty trust, trustworthy. It's pretty much new. Yeah. I've had very good experiences with those over the years. Yeah. And they have actually, the Apple stuff has the same warranty as a new box anyway, doesn't it? It does. So I mean, you're there's literally, really no difference. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're just saving a few hundred bucks. Pretty much. Sometimes you'll, you'll get it in, um, it won't come in the it official packaging. It comes in packaging. a brown box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's not always the case either. I've seen, I've seen things come in new looking packaging as well. Okay, well, before we get into buying and selling, mm-hmm. you have on you have on the list here uh, packaging. While we're on it, yeah, yeah, you 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 keep packaging. I don't actually. Okay. I'm really bad about that. Should you? Um, that's a that's a really good question. So, um, let's talk about this guy I used to know named Terry uh, back in let's Chicago. Let's call him Dan. <laughs> No, he's his name is Terry. Okay, Terry. Uh, he's a very nice guy, and he had an interesting approach. Which uh, uh, actually, and there's another guy I know named Ken, uh, who also does this, but with cameras. And so Terry and Ken have this philosophy, which I agree with. And if I were a little bit more ambitious, 
might even do myself. Um, and that is to <clears throat> make the initial investment in a, in a top end, you know, version of whatever it is that you're looking at. So let's talk about like, uh, the MacBook pro, for example, right? Okay. So, uh, you want to buy yourself a top end MacBook pro. You're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of three, 2,500 or $3,000 when you're all said and done with all of your, well, they started 2500 so yeah. Right. So, you know, after tax and after putting yep. in a, a bigger hard drive and some more RAM and whatever. So so let's say you, you drop 3000 bucks into this new machine. Okay. Now, as it turns out, those machines happen to have a pretty remarkable uh, shelf life as far as the resale value is concerned. So what Terry would do is every time a new model would come out, and, you know, this is back in the day when that would happen every 9 to 12 months, um, he would he would buy the you know the top of the line machine at full price and then sell his current machine uh, and get probably seventy five maybe six no no less than sixty but you know but somewhere I would say average around seventy five percent of the original price that he paid for it yeah. so he he would be able to sell that 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 old old machine if you will for like two grand and and then he basically got the new machine for the thousand dollars for the whole year or however long you know that he was using it for sure. Um, and which, you know, which actually, if you think about it, say you were going to hold on to it for three years, maybe right. it wouldn't be worth much of anything three years right. down the road. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, so the secret to that, uh, and just kind of keeping, making it as valuable as possible is to a, obviously keep the item in as good condition as you can. Uh, and to b uh, hold on to all of the bits and pieces that came with it as far as packaging and, you know, documentation and stickers and all that other crap, you know, keep, keep everything that came with it, you know, aside so that when you do sell it, you can, you can say, Hey, look, this is, this is like, it's brand new. I like, I have all of the stuff and, you know, cause p people really like that sort of thing for, mm -hmm. or at least some, some people do. I, I personally don't care. And Apple computers in particular hold their value well more than any other thing on earth. <laughs> other it's than it's gold. true. They do. But you could say the same thing about cameras too. I mean, look at the top end, uh, try, try shopping around for a, a you know, Canon one DS, yeah. Mark three or a well, Nikon D three. You, know, you know, I sold my five D, my original five D Mark one, uh -huh. um, a couple months ago for a grand, right? For yeah, around a thousand dollars, which is insane. Nine eighty because yeah, like five years is, old. Is it? Yeah, six years old, I think. And you bought, years, and you only spent like what twenty two hundred or twenty five hundred on it at the 20, most. Yeah, twenty two twenty five, and then yeah. I got a thousand dollars for it. <laughs> and I was actually discussing this with somebody yesterday, and I think part of that particular instance is that there still aren't that many full-frame cameras out there. It's true. And a 12-megapixel full-frame camera, other than the 5D, is pretty much what you're looking at. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so it still hold, it held its value, if only because of that. However, if I had a you know 15-megapixel, you know, whatever the mid-range Canon is, if I, had a, if I had a Rebel T2i or whatever the heck it is, Mm -hmm. You know, that wouldn't be worth anything just because there are better ones that come for the same price, you know? It's true. And I think um, that's that's the difference between pro gear and not pro gear. Yeah. Um, uh, but so I, I keep a lot of the boxes for my stuff. Yeah, I noticed that. You have a little collection of all your containers. I do. And and I, um, in fact, when I sold the 5D, I had the original box and the manual and everything else and the CDs. Mm -hmm. And I gave the whole thing to them as if it was almost brand new. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I keep, there's a lot of boxes I need to get rid of that I sort of kept and that I no longer even have the thing that they are, you yeah. know, that they're, they, they, they enclosed. Yeah. Um, but there's a few things that I do keep boxes for. For example, I have my fancy B&W speakers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, those things are huge. And you right. probably use, hold on to those for shipping purposes, I would imagine. I keep the boxes, yeah, for, for guess, when I have to, or... when I move and stuff, yeah. But yeah. they're big boxes. These things are a foot by a foot by four feet or whatever it is, you know. Easily. They take up half of the closet behind my computer. Yeah. Um, but I figure, you know, if, if I'm going to move and these are thousands of dollars, these speakers, okay, I can lose a little space just to be able to have them, you know. Yeah. Uh, same thing with the rest of my stereo gear. And so when I do move, I can pack that stuff up and I know that it's not going to be just in a bunch of newspaper or whatever it is. It's in its original packaging. Totally. Um, but I also don't baby my stuff like your friend would. You know? Right. I don't either. That's part of the reason. Like I've, I've always sort of had that. Whatever it's a you tool. Want to call it. <laughs> you want to use it and not have to like think about it all the time. Yeah, exactly. And, and if I sell it used, I'm okay. The way I look at it is when I'm ready to, to, to part with something, 
it, it shouldn't owe me anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So anything I get for it is better than nothing. So I'm willing to take a, a you know, a hit on the, on the, on the resale because I feel like I've got my money's worth already. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how I take it. That's how I approach it. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I, I don't have any problem considering used as long as it's in, uh, it's in good shape. I mean, and you know, a lot of times it, um, it, I mean, think about what the difference between used and new is. I mean, sometimes uh, the, the concept of new, it, it, it ceases to be new as soon as somebody basically cracks the, the seal on the box, you know, you, and then you, at that point it's not new anymore. Do you feel that way? I mean, that's the fact. I, mean, I, I know it, it, that's the fact, but I mean, if something was literally like the box was open and you watch the guy open it sitting, standing next to him, uh huh. to you, would that be like, okay, that's no longer new? No, I mean, I would, I would have no problem calling it brand new um, because, you know, in my opinion, what makes something new or not new is how much, uh, how much use it has seen, you know? So, so by, by effectively opening the box, taking the thing out and putting it back in, um, you know, I, I would still consider that pretty much brand new. Right. Um, I mean, and obviously there's certain exceptions, um, uh, when you get into things like collectibles, you know, where the seal, the, you know, whether the thing is, is new in box and mint on card or, you know, what have you, um, that then obviously if it's been opened, then that, then, you know, it's less valuable, Sure. but, um, but for, as far as gear is concerned, I would say, you know, the first thing I'm looking at, um, would be any, any physical signs of wear and tear, you know, you can always check and see if like the little, the, the plastic um, displays have the little film over them, you know, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Uh, if you can look at the number of, of clicks the shutter has seen, um, or if you can, you, you know, look up how many hours the, the item has been in use, like, you know, uh, uh, LCD projectors, for example, you know, usually have a little counter on them where you can see how many hours they've been running. Sure. kind of like an odometer on a car. Yeah. You know, then there are some people who take all the whole keeping it new to the point where it's kind of absurd, where they don't take the film off of LCDs and stuff. Ugh, I can't they just use that. it through that the whole time. I know, I know. It's so annoying. So My annoying. brother-in-law um, is kind of anal about stuff, so he buys a new phone. He not only gets like a big chunky case, but he also puts the film across the screen. Ugh, I can't. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, some I, of them I, are better than others. I guess, but when man, the film comes. I know, it's, we're, we're talking about like iPhone and like cell phone screen yeah, covers. Yeah, man, I do not get that at all. I mean, I have had every just about every iteration of the iPhone since it's come out. You know, the first one I skipped skip the three G and went to the three GS, uh, and then I went from the four to the four S. And Apple had it right pretty much from the get go, man. I mean, the, I have yet to see a scratched iPhone screen. I mean, I still get me wrong. I've seen, I have I have I scratched my three G. How did you do that? I don't know, but it had it had a scratch like in the upper. Now I've seen of the screen little like dings and nicks. You know, it's like obviously like that thing. It was like you know, a it, two centimeter long scratch. Okay, yeah, and I've seen little things like that, but yeah. uh, as far as like huge like like you know running your keys or a knife or some sure. other abrasive metal across the surface of the glass, I've never. I, I just never. You know, I think. It's a it's a fluke when it happens unless yeah. you're really really like determined to do it. So like keeping it if you're just keeping it in your pocket or in a bag with some other stuff, um, the need for the screen dis- the the little screen protector sticker thing, uh, it, it's just it's just non-existent. You know what I mean? There's just no need for it. And then for, on top of that, for me, um, those things feel weird. You know, because I really like the feel of the of the glass under my finger, um, and. On top of that, they also do a weird thing to the, to the like they diffuse it, they diffract it a little bit, and sure. they take away from the sharpness and the and the. They do reduce the glare color. sometimes. I guess that that is a a thing to consider. I guess if you if you find yourself in very glare prone situations, yeah. um, but uh, but I am a strong opponent of the of the iPhone screen. I protector. tend to agree with you. I guess I his his version of it is that at that at the point at which I want to sell it. Mm-hmm. I take the protector off, I take the case off, and it's a nearly new phone. Now, mm-hmm. the question is whether a phone that you've kept for two years, whether it being perfect or not, actually makes any difference two years down the line. Yeah, I, I don't. With iPhones, I don't think it really does. Yeah, um, because people although are I sold always... a, I sold my iPhone 3G with a cracked screen. Uh, mm-hmm. When was that? A year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, for. How much was it? $200? Jeez, really? Yeah. 
Crazy, man. To some guy out by JFK Airport, who okay. I who I think rebuilds them. Oh yeah, he's probably one of those one of those roots them and then yeah, sends yeah, yeah, them to yeah. China or wherever. Or and then there's also people who do um, sell them on the street. Who do no? Who do parts? So like you yeah. know, let's say your phone um, might have had a cracked screen, but the battery was fine, or the logic board was fine, yeah, or the you know, or the back cover yeah, was two hundred dollars. I don't know. Yeah, it was good. I was like, okay, cool score. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how much? Like, how much are the iPhone fours going for? You've got a four S. You know, I haven't looked. Um, I guess I can, I can check on eBay since I have my profile up here. Um, but uh, I'm still, I'm still holding on to mine right now. I have my iPhone four and my iPhone four S sitting here. Well, there's okay right so next to each other. Let's let's step back for a second and talk about the whole. We we talked a little bit about your friend who likes to buy the stuff and flip it. Mm-hmm. Flipping in general—that's a whole huge topic in itself. Well, that's kind of what we were just talking about, as far yeah. as the cameras and the and the computers and stuff like that. And people go into you know go into their purchase with that intent. Yeah, like knowing they that they're it. going to sell it and buy the next version when it comes out. Correct. Um, I've done that before with laptops, mm-hmm. where I'll buy and sell laptops within a year of me getting them. So I have the new MacBook Air, right, the 13 inch. Mm-hmm. Um, it costs whatever thirteen hundred bucks when I bought it. Even when the new ones come out next summer, this one will probably still be worth eight hundred. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I could sell it for that, throw in five hundred bucks, and I've got the new version for five hundred bucks. Wow, this is crazy. How so much? I'm looking. I'm looking. Well, uh, iPhone four, sixteen gig, AT and T, two seventy one, three fifty, two ninety five. Well, this one was a cracked screen, two ninety five. Yeah. Uh, wow. See, it's nuts. It's almost as if you, like, for example, if I wanted to upgrade to the 4S. Dude, I'm I, selling this thing. Right. Well, listen, <laughs> if I wanted to upgrade to the 4S, I can't just go upgrade because I only got mine in April or whatever, right? Oh, right. You've got and that a, stupid a, contract. A full, a full version of mine would be like, what is it, five, 600 bucks for one without a contract? Or out uh, of a contract? Yeah, I think so. They have an unlocked, like, contract free. So there's there's part of me that says, you know what? If I could sell mine now for three hundred bucks, yeah, put another three hundred in, I'm yeah, basically have- upgrading for the same price I'd upgrade, but I don't have to get on a contract. Yeah, it's true. Which is kind of nuts. It's true. Um, I have my eye on a new piece of equipment, um, which is sort of what started this whole thought process for me. Um, which uh, I, I haven't got a solid idea of what the price is yet because it literally just came out. But um, I've decided that because it's a it's an extraneous it doesn't it's not an emergency purchase you know it's not something that uh, I desperately uh, need to get a job done um, so that's that's something else I, I well let's talk about justification for a minute sure um, so sometimes when I'm making a, a choice to buy something uh, I'll buy something because I really, really just I really want it you know it's more it's more for me it's more for for fun uh, it's a little bit more indulgent. Than, for example, um, a, a tool for a job like a camera, a piece of camera gear, or a piece of computer gear. You know, something that I know that I'm I'm going to be using day in day out. You know, for work, and it'll probably you know generate some income, so to speak. You know, it'll help me pay my bills. Sure. So I'll be way more inclined to um, to buy something, even if I don't necessarily have all of the funds readily. You know, obviously, you know, you shouldn't spend money that you don't have. But sometimes it's like, especially working as a freelancer. You've, your, your your income is sort of in a, a constant state of flux where you've got, you know, any X number of outstanding invoices where you're, you're waiting on that check to come, you know? So it's like, all right, well, you know, you did the work, you're, you're going to get paid. You don't have the money right this second, but you do need this thing right now. So you can, you know, it's like I've, I'm expecting, you know, this check for a thousand bucks to come in so I can afford to go out on a limb a little bit and spend this 800 bucks on this thing because I know that that thousand dollar check is coming, you know, soon. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, but for certain things, um, it's like, I, you know, this this thing costs 500 bucks, and I don't have 500 bucks sitting here in my wallet right now, and it doesn't really solve a problem that I have that's, you know, that's worth going out into, you know, going getting into debt for or, you know, essentially, um, you know, taking a chance on. So what I'll try and do then is I, I'm in a situation like that now. So what I'm going to do, what I've decided is in order for me to get this new thing, uh, I'm going to sell some old stuff that I don't use anymore. 
So, um, you know, to offset, the, to, to basically completely take over that entire cost. Sure. And so that's the plan. So now, and it's, it's cool. I'm glad we looked at this because I think it's time to sell my iPhone 4. <laughs> how much do you think you're going to lose? The stuff that you're, how much money are you trying to raise? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm ballparking at around 900 bucks. Okay. So let's say a grand. Sure. How much do you think you're going to lose? As in, how much did you pay for the things you're going to sell to make $1,000 back? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't really care. Okay. Uh, because all of the things that I'm selling uh, don't owe me anything. You sure. know what I mean? So let's, if you want, I mean, we can just do some rough math here. Like the, the so the iPhone 4, when that came out, I, I think I paid 200 bucks for it, just like everyone else. Yep. So that's going to be a, a weird flip-flop where I'm actually going to be making money on that thing. Yes. Which is kind of weird, but cool, right? Uh, the other thing I'm considering selling is uh, my old uh, D90, my Nikon D90, which is still a reasonably relevant camera. Uh, I, I still see a lot of people using those out out and about. I mean, now that the, 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 the D7000 is out, I think that's the new D90. Um, but I, I, I bought the D90 the day it, like that was an example of something I bought like the day it came out. Like I was really excited about that. Yeah. Um, cause that was, uh, that was an upgrade for me for my D70 and the, the difference between the D70 and the D90 is pretty huge. Sure. Um, and that, so that really, really helped. So I'm sure I, I can't remember exactly how much I spent on it, but I think it was, it was close to a grand. Um, but I, I made money with that camera. You know, that camera does not owe me a cent. Um, so I'll, I'll see what the, the going value is. I'll, I'll, I'll adjust it accordingly to, you know, reflecting the fact that it doesn't have the box and it doesn't have all the, you know, the bells, you know, it's not looking brand spanking new. Um, but I'm sure I'll, I, I, I would be surprised if I got less than four or 500 bucks for it, you know, which is half of half the cost that it, uh, that I spent on it. It's not bad. No. And so, I mean, theoretically, if I can, if I can get $300 for my iPhone and $500 for this camera, Sure. Um, that's most of the way there. I'll tell you one thing that is really good deals for, although you're not going to use it all that much, probably going forward, are film cameras. Oh, my God, not, yeah. Not to sell, but to buy. It's you true. Know, if, if you, um, all of my film cameras I think I own now, a 35-millimeter Leica M4, my yeah. Hasselblad 500CM, right. my Cambo 4x5, Your all Canon. of them I bought used, my Canon AE1. Yeah. Um, I bought all of those used or got it from my father. Right. Um, but it's, it, and I bought them all from KEH.com. Yeah. Those guys are amazing. Yeah. Where are they down in Atlanta or something? I think so. Atlanta or Florida, um, somewhere in the South. Their, their prices on used stuff is, they're usually tend to be really great. And, um, all the stuff I've ever bought from them, uh, I bought my Hasselblad from them and then a couple lenses and their bargain grade stuff is perfectly fine like no yeah. uh, no mechanical or optical issues it's like oh it's you know a little scratch scratched on the corners or whatever it is but like you know no, it's the, a 50 year old camera like, yeah their, their rating system is extremely aggressive conservative yeah, yeah. yeah. um in that uh <laughs> yeah like like you say the, the, the things that they call new in box are literally like brand new like s like smells brand new like never been used yeah, yeah. um i i haven't had as much experience with them but i know many many photographers uh who have and everybody says the same thing yeah um, I, i've had nothing but good good luck with them um, yeah so and i guys... bought you know and i bought my four by five on ebay mm -hmm. and i remember i was looking for one and i started bidding up I was in a little bidding war with some guy mm -hmm. and I got up to like $900. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to go any higher than that and then it ended up going for like 920. This is before you knew how to work, how to properly use eBay, obviously. Right. right. <laughs> I was not sniping. Well, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> yeah, a little sniping app. I just do it manually. Uh, the apps are cool. But we'll yeah, get into that. So. In a I don't second. like giving those apps my password. Oh, I see. Um there's a couple open source ones though that are supposedly pretty secure. Anyway, well, the problem is the problem is that eBay changes their damn API like every six weeks, so right? That doesn't always work. But the, and I was pissed about it. I remember thinking to myself, "Man, if I had just spend another twenty yeah, bucks, that's, that's it, dude. You would have totally done that, right? Of right. course you would have. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, "God, I screwed up." And then a week later, there was a better camera with like two Polaroid film holders and a tripod and a head and all yeah, kinds yeah, yeah. of crazy stuff. And less. I ended up winning it for 800 Nice. Um, so it just it comes and goes, you know? 
Totally. You, you have to be able to be patient, I think. It's the truth, man. It's the truth. Uh, I've gotten – that's that's something I've always had a, a knack for. I've always had a lot of patience when it comes to long, time-consuming processes. <laughs> um and uh, so we can we can segue a little bit here into um, there's a couple more things I want to talk about. Um, there's so we're talking about buying used stuff from used stores, but really, if you can help it, it's it's generally best not to sell your stuff to one of those places yes. uh, because they will not give you the same money that you would get um, trying to sell it on your own. I think the correct uh, way of saying that is that they won't give you dick. <laughs> Uh, the, 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 the catch is there is a catch, a kind of a caveat. And that is sometimes you happen, you might have a thing that is extremely, you know, rare or are otherwise hard to sell. And I've actually run into this problem a couple of times where like the item is preposterously large. So shipping it, you know, putting it up on eBay and trying to put it in a box and shipping it somewhere is just completely impractical. Sure. Uh, or it's so old and specific and, and, and random that the odds of somebody needing it and finding it are really, really low. So, you know, so you can sit there reposting. I mean, I've seen, and I, and so, um, one of the things I do, um, on eBay when I'm, when I'm thinking about selling something is I'll do a, a bunch of research, uh, looking for the exact thing that I'm selling that, you know, already on eBay. So I'll, like, let's say I'm looking to sell my D90. So what I'll, what I'll do is I'll set up a, a search, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put together a nice little refined eBay search um, for the for exactly what I'm going to be selling. And when I say refined, this is something some folks might not know about, which might come in handy. So when you're when you're on eBay or or even Craigslist, most most um, most of the and Google, a lot of search engines support this sort of technique. Where if you just go to eBay right now and you type in Nikon D90, um, you're going to find uh, just. It's going to come back with um, here. I will do it right now, as as we're talking. So I'm going to go into eBay. I'm going to type in Nikon D90. Just those just those two words. Yep. Um, and when I do that, um, thirteen thousand things come back. Um, and there's tons of things like you know battery chargers, manuals, cases, filters, uh, you know instructions, uh, boxes, just all kinds of random random crap. Now you can narrow that down if you look into the eBay categories so it's like obviously you know there's camera and photo accessories lenses and filters digital cameras etc but even if you do so let's say that i'm going to go into digital cameras that's still 587 items to go through and as i yep. screw and as i scroll down this um this list there's there's still tons of you know with a kit lens and yeah. then this comes with the with the this and that and, you know Let's say um, the worst is when you just get a bunch of stuff for Nikon. Right, for D90. Nikon, exactly. So, yeah. so what you can do is you can refine your search. So, after the words Nikon space D90, you put in another space, and if you put the minus sign in, and then you put do minus F O R, so minus four, that um, pulls out anything that might have the word four in it. Uh, and unfortunately, that didn't really do much for this particular listing that I'm looking at. But let's say this one comes with a, a 16 gig card, right? So if I do a minus 16 GB, that pulls it down from 583 to... Oh, I didn't do anything because oh, I spelled it wrong. I did BG. <laughs> more, there we go. No, it's not, yeah. not more BGs. Right. It's more GBs. More GBs and MPs for my iPhone 4. Um, so now it goes down from 500 something to 400 something. Right. And so, so what I will do is I will tune my search as as tightly body as only. I can. Yeah, you know, body uh, minus lens. You know, here I'll do another one. I'll do minus lens, and um, boom, it goes from four six four fifty five to two ten. So I just cut that in half. Yes. Um, and so I will, I will take that search, and then this is this is where it gets really cool. Uh, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page, you'll see in the lower left-hand corner a little orange box that says RSS. Uh, not the link not the link next to it that says Learn More, but the actual little RSS box. If you click on that, your browser will then show you this weird-looking, uh, ugly-ass view of all of the things in that list that you just uh, that you just in that search that you just made. What you do is then you uh, hit Command L, which will select the contents of your uh, location toolbar, hit command C to copy that into your clipboard. And then you pop over to Google reader or your favorite RSS, uh, you know, ag news aggregator thinky thingy. And then, uh, and then I will make a new, uh, 
I will subscribe to that feed. And what's really cool is that anytime something new pops into that search, uh, you know, uh, anything that meets that search criteria on eBay, uh, I will know about it within five to 20 minutes of its, of its occurrence. And I use this all the time for finding good deals. Um, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the buy it now. Uh, I found that sometimes Wait, folks posting for the buy now or buying from the buy, it buy, now? It, buy I'm, I'm, I'm talking about using this for buying. So this, this technique that I'm ta- telling you about works in a couple of ways. Uh, it's good for, for following a trend. So it's like, I want to see how much Nikon D 90 body only, you know, cameras are going for. So I'm going to do this and I'll subscribe to this. And anytime someone posts something, I'll keep an eye on it. You know, so I say, yeah. oh, okay, that one went for 500 bucks. This one went for 450, this one for 420, you know, so then I can get a rough idea of what, what my expectations are going to be like for, um, for, for, you know, for selling this thing. Right. So that's, that's great. Uh, but let's say I'm also on the hunt. Like I'm, I'm always looking for a good deal on an Nikon SB 80, you know, cause those are really great lights. Um, and they've definitely crept up over the years as people have discovered them. They used to, I mean, I think I got my first one for like 85 bucks and then my second one for like a hundred bucks. Now the average price is about 150 bucks. Um, what I found is that not, and this is, this is the real sort of secret or the real charm. If you, if you ask me, uh, to eBay and that is, there's always somebody on eBay who is still kind of getting to know the system. And so sometimes they might make a mistake or they might have, they might not know all of the tricks and they will either, uh, misspell a listing or they will, uh, mispost something and put it in the wrong category, uh, or they will undervalue something and they'll either put something up with a really, you know, lower, a low buy it now, or they won't understand the concept of buy it now versus reserve, you know, this and that. And if you happen to find one of those listings right after it's been posted, you can take advantage of that. And I've done that on a couple of occasions where someone will post something and, you know, uh, the buy it now is really, really good, you know, way lower than the average. Like this person obviously didn't do their research and didn't notice that these things are going for like 150 bucks and they put the buy it now down for a hundred bucks. Um, so the, the real trick is, you know, getting, getting in on that as soon as possible. So when you, when you subscribe to an RSS, uh, based search, you know, about that listing within minutes of its posting, if you're, you know, if you're paying attention, sure. um, sometimes obviously, you know, we can't all be sitting at our computers watching our RSS feeds all day long, but, um, more often than not, you know, I, I will, I will get lucky and, uh, pick up a really great deal. Um, and that's happened a lot of times and, and the, the same exact technique, um, as far as saving a search as an RSS feed, uh, works with Craigslist as well, but that's a slightly different story. We won't get into well, that. Well, yeah, let's, well, let's discuss why you would want to go with eBay or Craigslist. I, I will tell you that I tend to like putting stuff for sale on Craigslist rather than eBay. Oh yeah. Um, if only because I have more control over scams. <laughs> okay. I have posted say a camera, like a very expensive camera on eBay Mm -hmm. and had to deal with the whole thing where somebody buys it, doesn't buy it now, but then they want me to ship it to a different name with a different address, like totally shady stuff. Yeah. I've had a couple of those. Then you have to go through this whole rigmarole to get it relisted and not pay the fees. And you know what I mean? Like one guy clicking something in Bolivia causes me to have to have another hour of heartache. You know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean, but there's a flip side to that too. Which is? Well, in my experience with Craigslist, um, especially with things that are worth something like a camera, yep. uh, I have found that people have completely unreasonable expectations and of, of the deal they're kind of going to get. Yeah. So, yeah. so like you post your thing for 500 bucks and then you get a reply, I'll give you 200 bucks for it. And I'm like, dude, yeah. what are you serious? You know, it's like, come on, yeah. you're insulting me now. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. and then, and, and that happens all the time. And then, and then as if that wasn't enough, I always get, uh, scam emails as well. You know, it's, Oh, I would love to buy your, your camera for sale. Uh, please, uh, send it to me. Why will pay you via Western union? You know, my yeah, cousin yeah, will sure. pick it up, you know, and it's like, come on, dude, I'm not going to yeah. do that. So no, I just ignore those. And yeah. But those, that, that seems to be all I ever get when it comes to Craigslist. No, you know, I've sold a lot of stuff on Craigslist. Usually stuff I'm really trying to get rid of. Like I'm yeah, trying well, to get rid of this TV that, or I'm getting rid of my TV, Xbox or... an air conditioner, a bed, a dresser, yeah. furniture, 
No problem. And that's, the nice that's thing great. is that sometimes that can all happen in, like nearly instantly. Yeah, it's I've amazing. I've stuff on eBay or on Craigslist that people have come and picked it up within same day. the hour. Yeah, same day. And I love that. That's what's awesome about Craigslist. Um, but for, for electronics, you also don't have to ship it. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not act. knocking it. I think Craigslist is a really great tool. Uh, you just need to know when to use it. And unfortunately, in my experience, for computers and electronics and things that are uh, worth anything. Uh, it's it's a total pain in the ass, and I, I and that's where I think I'm not, I'm not saying that eBay is that much better, but what I like about eBay is that it's funny because you say you have less control. I think we have more control because people are a little bit more serious on eBay, you know, because there's the whole reputation thing at stake, you know, the whole feedback rating thing. Um, there's the PayPal thing, and I, I have a love hate relationship with PayPal. Um, I, I was I was sad when I guess who bought who eBay bought PayPal I guess eBay bought PayPal yeah. Um, so I don't really use PayPal for much other than pretty much eBay exclusively. I think I heard recently now that they have this weird um, policy in place where you're, you can't with, with, withdraw money from eBay within – it has to sit in there for 20 days now or something. 20 like days? That. Really? I, I, I'm not sure if it's true, but I, I think I heard that somewhere. But anyway. If that were the case, see, that would make me not use eBay. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. Um, but, but, but the point is I think you have – eBay is a – it gives you more control over it gives you more control over the presentation you know you can use more pictures and and html if you want to um you can it gives you some stats you can actually see if anyone's actually looking at your thing how many people are watching it true uh you can you can actually open a dialogue that is that is recorded like so if if you if you do you know deal with a scammer or somebody who's trying to you know to put one over on you you can you can tell ebay hey look this guy is a total jerk and let's you know let's get rid of him kind of thing you know whereas yeah. with craigslist what are you going to do you know you're talking the wind true so i don't know uh what about selling to other people uh like friends and family kind of thing sure yeah i would love to i mean if possible i have no problems doing that um the only caveat to that is that and this depends on the nature of your relationship um you want to you want to be careful with who you're selling to because sometimes when you, you know guys like you and me who are knowledgeable uh and uh friendly <laughs> will sometimes get uh taken advantage of so it's like the the one nightmare is like you sell your old laptop to your friend or your friend's girlfriend or whatever and the next thing you know you, you get you're getting like phone call after phone call hey that computer yeah. hey can you can you help me with this thing and um it's doing this and is this supposed to be you know it's like yeah. come on dude no th- or the hard drive crashes yeah or, or whatever it's like new. look man yeah. it's not you know it's not my deal anymore this is yeah. your deal now yeah so that's the only thing you got to watch out for yeah. i sold um that ipad to my friend iran uh-huh. um i just put it up and i ended up getting almost exactly what i paid for it because it was brand new it was maybe brand like new. 30 40 bucks less sure um but it was it was funny because I was actually surprised how difficult it was for me to sell it, even though they were still back ordered and no one could get them. Yep. And still, I had a hard time selling it. The thing is, is that let's say an iPad, right? Yeah. Uh, four ninety nine, and I had the smart cover. What do they charge you for that? Forty bucks, something like that. Plus, uh, uh, tax because you're gonna have to pay tax anywhere you're gonna go. So there's another forty something dollars. So you end up it ends up being like six hundred bucks, right? Um, if you then say I want to sell it for five fifty, which to you is a fifty dollar deal mm-hmm. for anyone, people say, well, I can buy it at the store for four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. It's like no, you can't buy it at the store for four ninety nine. Yeah, good anywhere luck. you buy it, it's going to be exactly what I paid for it, which is plus the taxes, plus the stupid cover thing that you're going to get. Almost certainly, it's like almost that people don't think through what it actually costs for these things. Same thing with cameras sometimes. Yep. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I've, yeah, I've sold that kind of stuff. I've sold laptops to friends. I've sold old computers to friends that I've built that I, you know, have upgraded. Um, I, the last computer I had, I actually gave to my brother-in-law as a Christmas gift, Hmm. which was a pretty good Christmas gift because it was probably, you know, $500 worth of parts. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I tend to shy away from that if only because of what you're talking about, or, yeah. or if something goes horribly wrong and then it it just gets involved, you know. I agree. Uh, my friend Meg sold her 5D to some photographer woman, who then was calling her constantly, asking her questions about how to use the camera. Ugh. And it's like read yeah, the that's manual. The, that's the that's the worst possible scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. And yeah, it, like, like and, I'm sorry. This does not include support. 
Yeah. You know? yeah. If you're going to no, do that, absolutely. you know what you do is you, you, you say, okay, well, I'll give it to you for 400 bucks, uh, no questions asked. And then if you want to pester me with questions and whatever, it'll be 600 bucks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then in the old days, people used to sell stuff at pawn shops. Oh, right. Pawn shops. Used to, used to buy stuff at pawn shops. Sure. You ever, Does, you ever, you ever do that? No. You ever I've been in a pawn shop? I have been in a pawn shop, but they always seemed kind of seedy and scary, at least the ones that were around where I lived. <laughs> There's definitely a, a seedy factor yeah. to, uh, to be aware of. I wonder I, if the pawn shops, have, if their business has gone down over the years. I don't know. There certain, are so many other options, you know? Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a certain, um, kind of class of customer, if you will, like a certain kind of person that, you know, goes to and, you know, considers a pawn shop. And I would imagine most of those people are not as internet savvy, um, as, as we are, for example. Um, and then there's also weird random legality. (laughs) Well then, yeah, then there's that. And then, you know, there's the whole like, um, you know, I don't know. There's like jewelry and firearms and power tools and yeah. musical instruments. And this is like a weird, you know, I, I think the, the kind of stuff that, that pawn shops um, have a tendency to, to buy and sell are, are a little bit different than the stuff you'd find on, on eBay and, and Craigslist. Yeah. Although um, it's funny because most of the time I've been in pawn shops, it's kind of like the electronic stores in in New York City. Oh, in where Times the Square. stuff that's yeah. the stuff that's in their windows is not the stuff anybody would ever actually buy. Right, and the prices are all weird and wrong. Right, the prices are terrible. Yeah. yeah. So it's in some ways the pawn shops are the same way. It's like, wow, that's a three year old laptop. I'm not going to give you two thousand dollars for it. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I understand they're looking to probably half the time they don't know what it's worth. Or, well, or they're looking they to they're looking to haggle. That's the whole game, right? Yeah. Well, there's also a weird see the weird. The thing that makes the pawn shop unique is that the concept, the the the, the whatever you want to call it, the economics of the of the pawn shop are really a little weird. Um, are are they're, they're they're totally different than um, than eBay and Craigslist in that the the principle is you are essentially uh, giving this item to this to, to this merchant on consignment uh, yeah. as a loan. It's like you need money. And you're going to put this thing up for consignment, which, you know, just essentially you're, you're going to hold on to it. And if you can, you know, you're not going to sell it for 30 days. And if you do, then, you know, it's yours and whatever. So, you know, that, so there's the guy who goes to the pawn shop and gets the, you know, gets the money for his thing. And then there, you know, whether or not he comes back, because that's, the, that's the thing. Some people actually do just treat a pawn shop as a, as a weird kind of loan, um, you know. Uh, actually come and buy their ring back and they get their thing back yeah so that that happens um but then there are people who you know who 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 go hunting for for stuff that's been abandoned you know or you know the lo- the guy never came back and never paid paid the loan back and you know now that thing is up up for sale uh you know? my mother's house got broken into about a year ago ouch by this like drug dealer kid down the street yikes and uh actually he's probably a drug addict more than a dealer mm. anyway he broke in and stole this like little strong box from her from her house, mm. and uh, it had you know a bunch of. He took a bunch of money and and he took all of her jewelry, including her wedding ring, oh. and my father's rings and stuff like that. My father's damn uh, stuff. So it's like just really like wow, really. And my grandmother's no. diamond ring. Yeah, well, so um, he didn't care. I mean, no, he didn't care. But but. It was very painful for my mother, obviously, not just because of the value of the stuff, but just the like, really, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they ended up finding some of the stuff at a pawn shop in, in Waterbury, which is just frustrating, you know? Yeah. No, I, I've been robbed. My mom's been robbed. Uh, it sucks, man. It, yeah. It's it's not a, not a fun so situation. So I tend to stay away from the pawn shops. I feel like they're, they are, it's it's almost a generational thing, except when you watch those crazy shows on the TV. Right, right, like pawn pawn stars or whatever it's called did you ever watch the one where they the pickers american pickers where they're looking for stuff to sell like in their antique shop uh i haven't but i know about that i mean that's a i had had a friend in chicago that was his whole job he his father ran um uh what was it called it was essentially um an like like an auction house yep 
So, or he was an auction house agent or something like that. So, so as a kid, this guy would go around with his dad, you know, learning about stuff and figuring out how, how, you know, valuable things were. And, you know, and his dad did the whole, you know, real world physical auction thing. And then as, as this guy got older and more mature, and this is, you know, not, not, not too long ago, 10 years ago, right when eBay was sort of starting, he would do the same thing and just sell stuff on eBay. And he would, he was making all kinds of money, man, because he, he would go to flea markets. He would go to estate sales. He would go, you know, he, he knew all of these places to go looking for cheap stuff. From, I feel from, like there's got to be so many people doing what he's trying to do, though, that can now, actually ever get a deal. Oh, now, this is like, like I said, 10 years ago, this guy was yeah. doing it. He was driving a BMW, man. I mean, he was doing all right. Yeah. 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 It's a uh, it's yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, it's pretty sweet. Uh, you know, there's some of those other some of the other podcasts you and I have listened to. Mm. They have ads for that gazelle. Yeah. Don't sell it. Gazelle. It. Yeah. Have you what do you think of that? Uh, I, I think it's. It's it's definitely meeting uh, a need that's yeah. out there for people who don't want to deal with eBay and don't want to put the time and energy in. It's like if you, if you don't mind paying a little bit of a premium and maybe not getting as much as you would otherwise. Yeah, uh, it's it's a nice out. It's and from what I've heard, between they get, trade-ins to selling it yourself. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's. I think it's a step better than like taking your you know your lens to 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 B and H and getting lowballed you know yes. for it. But uh, it's not as not as good of a deal as, as, you know, taking the energy and time and, and selling it yourself. Yeah. You know, um, when I bought my Leica, I ended up getting it from a store um, over by Union Square. And it was one of these crazy places where you go into an apartment building and you go. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. To, it's like on the seventh floor or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. you go up to like 1607 or whatever it is and yeah. you knock on the door and you open it up and, and it's not an apartment. Yeah, yeah. It's a store. Yeah. It's so strange those kinds of things. No, those are. I mean, that that's. There's tons of those places, man. Like, like yeah. th- I've been to music shops. Like, uh, um, there's a uh, a really awesome drum shop that's on like the third floor of some residential. Yeah. Well, like some some office looking building, and then. Well, that's the thing. You know what it is? Sometimes it's they're very specific stores. Like oh that. yeah, they're really special. Like, the, and then the, uh, there's that one place. I think you and I were talking about the uh, the place where you take. Um, you get the, things fixed. The, the camera store. Asian place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I cannot remember. I think it's Nippon something or other. Yeah, yeah. Nippon camera. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and it's just this this you know unsuspect. And then same thing with uh, jewelry places yep. too. Places that make you know do jewelry repairs and yeah. rings and watches and stuff like there's that. There's also that bookmaking supply shop Talus. You ever uh, see that place? No, I don't it's think like so. the only place in the in the world you can buy like all this different stuff for like making books. Neat. Um, and it's just this giant warehouse, right? Uh, but it's somewhere in Chelsea, and I've been there before. But yeah, you like go up to the second floor of some building, and yeah, not not everybody has a storefront, has the luxury or the need really for yeah. uh, a glass street facing yeah. storefront. I mean, some of that's probably uh, New York specific. Just because space and real it's estate is such true. a premium. I think but, Tokyo has a lot of that, too. Oh, Tokyo's nuts. Yeah. Like, nothing is on the ground floor. Everything's, like, four floors up, and you yeah. have to find the sign. and Especially restaurants, too. Yeah. There's oh, yeah, really that's weird. restaurants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, totally. Um, yeah, that's very odd. Yeah, I, you know, I don't... It, there's a lot of things that I'd like to sell, but then I kind of get this feeling like it's not worth enough to make it worth my time to sell it. You ever have that? I do, and for me... it. It's a combination. Like, so let's. I guess we can sort of wrap up with decide deciding like when 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 is the right time to get rid of something. You know, that's you know. It, well, here, good example is your iPhone, right? Had yeah. you sold it a week before the 4S was announced, mm-hmm. you may have gotten another fifty bucks or hundred bucks. Maybe, right? maybe. Um, but, but there's a certain there's like this there's this moment just before the new thing comes out where your thing has its optimum. Used value. Optimum resell. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. There's um, a sweet and, spot for sure. And if it's something that you could go without, like you know the new iPad is coming out on Tuesday. Right. Well, that Monday, sell your old iPad and yeah. go without an iPad for a day. You know, yeah. Maybe. Or a week or whatever. I, I mean, I think it's it's a little tricky. Some things are more cut and dry than others. Sure. Absolutely. Um, but uh, for me, like I said, my, my personal, um, whatever you want to call it, rule of thumb is A... Um, ideally I'll, I'll be selling something once, uh, I feel like it's, it's paid for itself, you know, again, once it doesn't owe me anything so that, um, I'm removing a little bit of the, whatever you want to call it, the attachment to it, you know, because nothing is more frustrating than to have this thing. Like I actually, I have one example. I bought this, um, this, uh, rack enclosure, um, from a company called SKB and it's this giant, 
It's huge. It's like the size of a trunk. I mean, it's just huge. I would guess its dimensions are like two and a half feet by three and a half feet by by four feet. I mean, it's just huge. Um, and I bought it brand new, and it was like four or five hundred bucks. Uh, and I wound up not using it. You know. Yep. And uh, I thought to myself, you know what? I might use it at some point, so it doesn't make sense to to get rid of it um, right away. So I'll I'll just hold on to it and. Unfortunately, because it's such a special item, because it's so damn big and it's really specific, um, I haven't been able to get rid of it. And and unfortunately, because it's brand, like literally brand new, it's never been taken on the road. It's never had any gear in it. It's like literally just just you know new in the box. Um, I can't I can't seem to find anyone who will give me anywhere close to a reasonable offer for it. You know, not, I can't even sell for half. Like but is the, it just sitting there in your? It's just sitting in my storage unit. Yeah. yeah. And it's really, and unfortunately, I have an, I have this, you know, this attachment to it that I can't, I just can't, in good conscience, good good conscience, um, sell it for for less than, yeah. you know, half of what I paid for it. Even though it's just sitting there losing value in some way, it's not really losing or gaining. I mean, it's it's a piece of plastic and metal. You know, there's yeah. there's not a whole lot of value to it. And and SKB still makes the exact product, and and you can buy it brand new for the same money that I paid for it five sure. years ago. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's that's another reason why I can't really justify taking any less for it. It's I understand if it was the old model or if it if it had yeah. some some you know uh, you know some replacement or whatever, but but it, it's the same exact thing that you can get right now. So I I can't understand why I can't get even half of the money that I spent on it uh, selling it on Craigslist or whatever. That is frustrating. I mean, I have the same thing. I have a um, my Adcom power amp for my stereo is this two-channel, 600-watt, crazy, super giant thing that weighs 70 pounds. Yep. Um, I think I paid 1800 for it. Mm-hmm. And now they go for like 500 <laughs> Yeah. And it's just painful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's cer- there's certain things like that where it's like, one, but that's a you know, again, that thing has been you know upgraded and and, and replaced. They've you actually know. never replaced it, but they stopped making it. Yeah, they, well, they'll have stopped making it, or they'll stop yep. supporting it. You know, so parts yep. for it are going to be harder to get, or there'll be something that sounds better, or that's yep. lighter in weight, or less expensive. You know, yep. whatever. Yep. It will be. It will be have. Uh, it will have been made obsolete. A lot of you know, it's funny about a lot of stereo stuff is that when it comes to say speakers and amplifiers. Yeah. The technology has not improved much or at all in the past 20 years. No, but you the know? manufacturing and the and the parts get cheaper. Right, know? right, right. But I just mean that, like, you know, you're not going to find it, – it, it's one of those things where an amp from 10 years ago and an amp from now, the one from 10 years ago is not going to sound any less than the new one. No, it's but true. But it's funny how people have a particular thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cameras and computers, I mean, there's a huge difference between different things. But, like – stereo gear especially at the high end the stuff doesn't actually improve all that much but a lot the problem with it is that a lot of that stuff is fashion based yeah you know or totally. or you know it's all about the name on the front or whatever it is yeah yeah or what kind of condition it's in or what the ser- same, the what same serial thing, number range it was you know same thing goes for a lot of the photo gear i mean the high-end stuff like if you're buying like a medium format back they're still crazy expensive used even though they're five years old some of them yeah you know? well look at pro photo gear dude look at uh high-end yeah. strobe gear i mean that's I'm stuff. staring at a pro photo <laughs> thing now you know and it's true uh if i sell it i maybe i'll get a lot of my money back maybe that's the only advantage yeah um just crazy stuff it's true man got anything else on our list before we wrap this up i don't think so uh i think we covered all the bases so yeah i mean if uh if anybody else has any thoughts on buying and selling stuff we would love to hear from you you can participate in the conversation we actually Do do you ever buy in order to sell um, oh, you mean like I buy something cheap that I know is going to increase in value? Yeah, or you see something and you're like, oh, like for example, I bought that hard, hard drive, drive right, right. a couple weeks ago, and it's sitting in its box on the shelf, and I may end up using it, sure. but in, until I do, the price for that has gone from 180 bucks, which was high when I bought it, right. to 399 Jesus. You know? That's, that's ridiculous. So I could put it up on eBay probably for 250 or 300 or 350 and maybe make my money back plus I, some, you know. Yeah, I've done little things like that uh, in the past where I found a deal. Um, more often than not, it's but it's just stuff that I find in real life. Yeah, you know, or 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 has it ever bit you? Uh, no, you, know, you buy it and then can't flip it. Not well. No, I mean the the only thing that's really bit me is this stupid SKB case that I've been talking about. Yeah, uh, which actually, considering everything, 
my, and my track record is not, you know, not too shabby. Not, not the end of the world. Cause I've gotten really lucky with some things where someone will have given me something. Um, or, or I've actually been really, dude, I've been really lucky with like, with like shipping mistakes where someone will, you know, I'll, I'll buy something from some big box company and I'll get two of the thing instead of one, <laughs> you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I've definitely with, with, with the smaller company, I would totally, you know, say, Hey dude, you send me two of these things, but if yeah. it's Amazon or, you know, or some other, you know, big name conglomerate sure. type of company, I'm like, ah, eh, you guys need to get your, your shit together. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's your you fault. made a mistake. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're, we're not talking about anything that's worth more than 50 bucks anyway. Oh, hey, wait, um, one more thing before yeah. we move on there is shipping is a good example, a good question. Yeah. If you're selling something and you ship it, are you a USPS guy, a UPS guy, FedEx? Do you, you know, go to the store? Do you fill it out online? It, it, it really does depend on the thing. Um, if I know, for example, when I did that giant uh, marathon eBay session two years ago, uh, I wanted to keep it as simple as possible. So what I decided to do was standardize on the USPS flat rate shipping uh, service. Uh, the reason why is because all of the boxes and, you know, all that stuff was free. And, you know, there's basically five different sized boxes that you can choose from and that you can just literally walk into any post office and walk away with a, you know, a box, you know, a stack of them under your arm. So that's that's kind of huge. Um, the the rates are really reasonable if you think about it. I mean, it's one price regardless of where it is. So, I mean, obviously, if you live in New York, then, you know, you might be paying a dollar or two more than, you know, if it were first class or whatever. But, um, but if you, you know, it's the same price between New York or California, you know? So sure. from the seller standpoint, uh, or sorry, from the buyer standpoint, you're getting a good deal. Um, and they have a really nice, nicely integrated system into PayPal for automating the purchase and printing of the postage. So what will happen is as soon as the person pays with PayPal, it automatically talks to the U S post office. You can, you can buy that, that, you know, the Avery sticker paper, you know, like the half yep. sheet sticker label and literally just push the button. And then it prints out a sticker that you stick on the box. The postage is paid. And all you need to do is hand that box to a postal carrier or walk it to the post office and drop it off. So for that kind of stuff, like if I'm going to be doing a ton of shipping, uh, I just assume you use the post serv- post office. Um, if however, I'm doing something that's really expensive or that I had to pack myself or that I, you know, I don't really, I don't want to take a chance if it, you know, if I'm dealing with with somebody and, or, or someone who really, really wants a tracking number and who wants insurance, yeah. then I will probably default to UPS. Yeah. You know, I, I like having a tracking number too, just so I can know where it is and when it gets delivered and yeah, it's nice. I mean, the, the um, USPS offers tracking as well. Uh, and actually, and the other thing that's really good about the USPS is their international, uh, shipping. Uh, it's, it's definitely the best bang for the buck and the tracking service actually works really well. Uh, the only downside is it takes, it takes a long time to update. So you don't get real time updates like you do with UPS and FedEx, but you do get updates and they're relatively accurate. You know, that feature you're talking about where you can print from eBay, Uh like the labels, Uh um, they have the same thing for UPS and, but however, for some reason, uh, PayPal, my PayPal connection to UPS yeah. is broken. Yeah. I had that problem too. You had to call, I had to call them and then create a new account and it was a hassle. Uh, but it's true. You can do that with, with both of them. You can actually have e- eBay and PayPal manage the, the, you know, the payment and the printing of the labels. But man, what a frustrating pain in the neck it is. Cause it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Print the label. And it yeah. goes, there is an error, you know, like your yeah. things are, your account is not configured for. The other thing that's tricky is you got to watch out for um, for how much you charge for shipping because sometimes you'll get different prices and the, the long and the short of it, shipping is not cheap, unfortunately. No. So you know you got to be ready to you know to to pay a bit more than you might have expected um, for your to ship your thing because well you know what that's why I didn't end up doing it piecemeal when I had to sell those baseball cards. Yeah, six no, oh my ago. God, that would have that would have been a nightmare. I had I you know I sent a list to a few different places in the country who do like big lots of that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. And some guy drove down from uh, Buffalo, New York. Whoa, that's like eight hours, dude. Yeah, but the actual place was in Illinois. He was the pr- he was like their buyer guy, huh? And he just drives around with a truck, and he had like five different pickups in Connecticut <laughs> that week. Oh, I guess he just that made, day. You know, he gangs them up and makes a yeah. Makes a- and he came down and he, it, let's say it was, I think it was $3,000, something like that. Wow. And uh, he, so he comes down and he, and he took all the stuff and then he called me cause it was up in my mother's house in Connecticut and he called me up and he's like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that there was actually a couple things there that weren't on your list. 
And so I gave your mom 3200 Oh, Or whatever it was. Like, so, you know, the guy could have just, like, grabbed the stuff and walked away. Yeah, yeah. You know? But he was like, no. This is what it is. And I, you know, so I kind of, sometimes you have good experiences like that. It's true. I've, I've, may, I've then again, that. maybe the things that weren't on the list were worth 10 grand. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And you just felt guilty. All right. <laughs> Sorry, you were going to wrap it up. No, that's it. Uh, I was just saying, if you, if anyone else has any thoughts or comments on, on this stuff, um, we do have a comments section on our website. Um, if you go to circuitous.tv, you'll find uh, this episode uh, has its own little entry. And uh, we welcome comments and thoughts indeed we do so uh circuitous.tv is the website circuitous conversations at gmail is the uh, gmail.com is the email address and we are at bill wadman and at dan goddesman mm-hmm. two t's on twitter on the twitter um, and uh we will talk to you next week we'll probably have a guest next week yeah hey guests hey guests excellent Take care,